Hey guys, what's going on? Evolutionary.org podcast coming your way. We got three awesome topics. This is Steve Smee. I'm with Rick. How's it going, buddy? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? Yes. Um, you know, guys, we, we talk about stuff on this podcast. You're not going to find it anywhere else. So let, let's get right into it. We have three really cool topics. The first one is about injections. And, um, you know, it's something that's not really talked about much, but what really spurred me to kind of want to talk about this is when I deal with clients who, you know, I help with consultations, they really don't know this stuff. And there really isn't that much information out there to kind of help people do the injections properly. There's so many questions and every day we get questions on the forum. So let's start with, um, you know, what size needle we should be using? Because that, that's a really good question. I had a, a client at, be like, you know what? I want to use insulin needles to inject steroids. And uh, so, you know, let's talk about that first. Rick, what do you think about the size of the needle? What, what, what's your favorite size and what do you recommend? I like between 23 to 25 gauge for injecting and to withdraw out of the vials, anything below 22, 19, Anything around, around that range is good for withdrawing out of the vial. I like to inject with a fresh needle. Never like using the needle that I used to withdraw from a vial or even an amp because you're always going to, to dull or touch the tip of that needle with something. And when you do that, it's going to, uh, it's going to dull that needle for the injection. It's going to hurt way more. So uh, I personally like 23. 25 gauge is, is good too. It just takes a long time to push oil out of that gauge. And I think anything smaller than that is, is a waste of time. You know, you're, you're going to have a very hard time trying to get any kind of steroids out of a, out of a tiny insulin needle. And also, you want to be about an inch deep into the muscle when you inject, and that's just very tough to get with an insulin needle. So um, injecting perfect size 23 gauge is, is small enough, is a fast enough shot. If I can get a 25 gauge needle and it's only a couple of cc's of fluid, I might, might do that. But uh, for the most part, man, 23 to 25 gauge is my, my favorites. So, Rick, um, explain how when you draw, you're using a very thick gauge, a nine, maybe a 19 gauge to draw the oil. Be specific. How are you transferring that over to your syringe and that has a 25 or 23 gauge? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, well, basically, I put the – I put the 22 gauge on there first, so the 19 gauge, whatever I got my hands on. Um, if I'm going to, into a multi-dose vial, obviously I'd want to suck air into the needle. And then when I go into the multi-dose vial, push the air into the, the vial so that it creates some pressure there. It's a lot easier to withdraw that juice. Otherwise, if you try to withdraw from a vial that's not properly pressurized, you're going to be there all day trying to, get, trying to get that juice out of there. So, um, yeah, 19 gauge, 22 gauge, go right into the multi-dose vial or even into the amp. You know, it's, it's, um, it's impossible to not let the needle touch the bottom of the amp, the tip of the needle touch the bottom of the amp when you're, um, when you were drawn out of there. And um, it's just, you know, pretty simple. Once, uh, once the amount of uh, juice that I want and the needle is in there, just put the, put the little cover, the little safety cover right back on the needle, use that to twist it off and then put a fresh one on, twist it on and then take the cover off. And um, the new one, the one I'll use to inject, will always be fresh, never touch anything. And it'd be about, a, again, 23 to 25 gauge uh, needle. That's, that's a nice size. It's small enough. And it's also, um, 
It also allows the oil to flow out of it. You know, anything, I've tried 28 gauge, 29 gauge, I believe in, it just, it takes all day. It takes all darn day. Also, to withdraw the juice into the, the syringe, out of the multi-dose valve, out of the amp, if you use a 25 or a 23 gauge, you're gonna be there all day. It takes a while to withdraw with those uh, small needles. So uh, yeah, I mean, the way to go is, uh, is a nice, um, nice uh, 19, 22 gauge to withdraw. To, to fill the, the syringe and then um, for injection, 23 to 25 is the way to go in my opinion. Yeah, most of the steroids, I say 90% of steroids, you can get away with a 25 gauge one inch needle, 90%. Back in the old days, I used Primo Bear, the pharmacy, pharmacy, pharmacy grade Primo, which was uh, the Bear brand. And I can tell you this stuff was motor oil. So 25 gauge just would not work. I had to use a 23 gauge. And if you use a 25 gauge, it just take forever to, when you were pinning and it was just horrible. So in that situation, you want to go a little thicker. Most of the gear that's floating around now, you can definitely do 25 gauge, but if you want to do a quicker, less hassle injection, then, then go with the 23 gauge. If you don't mind a thicker needle. Um, one of the tips I can give people is <clears throat> um, this has been what I tell my clients. This is my experiences. I don't, I don't really think that it's, um, it's going to be a lot easier. I'll put it that way. It's not anything required or mandatory, but it's going to be a lot easier to warm the syringe under some hot water, get it nice and warm, and then pin into a warm or hot muscle, meaning a muscle like say after a hot shower, after a workout, something like that, where a muscle is nice and hot versus just pinning like as soon as you wake up in the morning when your muscle's cold and you're feeling, you know, you just woke up and stuff. It just seems to, the body just seems to accept it better that way in my experience. That's just my experience, but some, some guys might say the opposite. I'm not really sure. Um, you know, um, Rick, do you have, what's your preference on that or does it not matter to you? I like to inject after the shower because I feel my, my body, my skin is, is cleansed, is clean. My hands, everything is clean after you come out of the shower. So I usually prep my shot, go in and take a shower, and I'll, I'll hit the shot right, right out of the shower. Um, you know, my, my preferred spot for injection is, is the glutes. been doing glutes for forever, and it's, the, it's my preferred spot. And uh, right now I, I use a, a quite a bit of testosterone on the canoate. It's a product by uh, Bayer called Navito. And it's human grade test, and that stuff is very, very thick. You know, it's it's slow coming out, even of a even out of a twenty three gauge. It's real slow coming out of there. So, um, glutes is the way to go. And right after the shower, man, I, I use a little bit of alcohol, which is it's good to have. But um, my opinion, the best thing is just it's right out of the shower after you've um, showered up, soaked up, uh, fine, you're clean. It's the best time to inject, in my opinion. So let me give you guys a few more tips and I'll let Rick finish it off with a few extra tips that we missed. So one of the, one of uh, my clients recently, he called me, he was in a panic. He's like, Oh my God, Steve, I've got a big abscess. My skin is red, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, what'd you do? He's like, I injected um, a large amount of steroids into my muscle. Um, we're talking, you know, a lot. And um, let's say, you know, he injected like five, 600 milligrams at one time of Primo into the same muscle at the same time. And I told him, I'm like, dude, you cannot do that. Um, depending on the steroid guys, you really should, you know, inject up to maybe one or two cc's at the most 
into into a, a muscle. You don't want to inject too much of, of a steroid all at one time. So if you insist on pinning, say once a week, and it's a large amount of gear, you have to find multiple muscles to pin. Okay, so you can go online and find um, the pecs are really good place to pin. The delts are really good place to pin. The quads are good place to pin. Glutes, like Rick was saying, good place to pin. Those large muscle groups are, are your best choices. And sometimes muscles don't like to be injected. I swear my left quad hates being injected. My right quad loves being injected. I have no idea why. That's just the way my body is. is. So I just don't inject. If it's a bad injection, just avoid the spot. Another thing is um, you want to make sure – I hear people a lot, they like, well, I can inject with an insulin needle, a 29 gauge, half inch needle. Can you do that? Yes. Is it smart injecting oils with such a thin needle? No, because what's going to happen is that oil is not going to get into the muscle. It's not going to get deep in the muscle. So it's going to form an, a sterile abscess. Um, and it's just going to sit there clumped until it dissipates. And you can't do that if you're injecting steroids frequently. Now, if you're on TRT and you inject once a week, once every two weeks, even TRT doctors sometimes will inject with a 29-gauge slim pin, okay? So that is possible. So, you know, I'm not arguing that. But it's just much less of a hassle to use a good-sized needle and get it into the muscle and be done with it. So any final tips, Rick, before we move on? You know, I've done as much as, as five, six cc's in the glute um, without any, any issues. This is from me using uh, low concentration gear, veterinary stuff like uh, Equipoise, Boldenon 50, 50 mg per ml. So I'll hit that sometimes, uh, glutes and biceps. I don't like injecting quads. I've done it a couple of times, but I don't like it at all. And many people I work with and friends I know have gotten problems with injecting in quads, abscesses and, and infections, all kinds, of, all kinds of weird stuff. My favorite muscles, which are real easy to access and real easy to inject into, glutes, biceps, shoulders. You know, glutes, biceps, shoulders. That's, um, if you rotate those, those areas, you could, you know, do a nice heavy cycle and, and rotate your, your spots and, and be fine. So those are my, my three favorite places. Now, um, for guys out there that, that have a little bit of trouble with pain, if you want a painless injection, you can ice down the area before you inject. And it, it numbs it, and you can go right in, and by the time you get feeling back, uh, you know, your shot will be done. Yeah. So um, that's a good tip. Um, uh, you know, warming up your gear a little bit, warming up the, the oil before, uh, withdrawing it out of the vial and everything just makes everything a lot smoother. Um, and... Um, the top of the the top of the skin are where the ner where the uh, nerves are the sensors are so if you just numb the top of the skin you'll you'll numb it enough where the the needle will go in you won't even feel it and one more tip before I move on to I forgot mixing oils I recommend this especially if you're you're using a very high concentration oil that will help a lot so don't be afraid to mix you can like these people ask this all the time can I mix EQ and test yes of course you can so that's and in fact I recommend it because it kind of mix up don't mix oil and water though. Uh, put in oil, an oil-based steroid and a water-based steroid in the same needle is you're asking for an infection. So um, like if you're doing primobolin and you know, testosterone and you got a little bit of injectable withdrawal in there or something or vitamin B12 or whatever, any of these water-based um, steroids or peptides, do not want to put it in the same needle with oil. That's going to cause 
a problem really, really fast because um, that oil takes a while longer to leave the depot, leave the muscle than the water does. So you're going to have bubbles of water inside of the oil that are likely to get infected because they're in there too long. You know, uh, water-based injections are meant to, to dissipate rather quickly and just leave behind the active in the depot. Um, on the opposite hand, oils are, oils are not. So you def- definitely don't, don't want to mix those two together under any circumstances. That's a good, that's a good tip right there. A lot of people um, weren't aware of that. All right, guys, our second topic is all about orals. How to run a cycle. Can you run oral only? Should you stack it? What are our favorite orals? So um, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, so first of all, oral only cycles. Rick, what's your opinion on it? I don't like um, just orals, man. I, they, they affect your liver. Um, they're, they're tough to deal with. I like injectables. I'm not really an orals guy anymore. But I know a lot of people out there like their orals. There's some really cool, interesting steroids that can only be had in, in oral form. So, I mean, I get it, but it's not, it's not my choice. I really, really like injectable. Um, you know, for that, just because of health and, and just convenience, you know, take, taking a shot a couple of times a week is a lot more convenient than having a time, you know, uh, tablets every single day throughout the day. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. I, I tell people all the time, um, if you want to really get serious about this long-term, you are just going to have to bite the bullet and be willing to inject because you get a lot more bang for your buck. I mean, you're talking about you can inject once a week, a lot of these steroids, EQ, Primo, test, long ester test. You can inject them once a week and you're good to go, you know? So, um, orals, you got to take it once, twice, twice a day, you know, like Debol as a four hour half life. Some guys even take Debol three times a day. You don't really have to, but some guys do, but with Debol, you got to take it twice a day, you know, maybe three times a day. So, um, that that's the con- inconvenience factor. It's so much easier just to pin and be good to go. But for hypothetical standpoint, can you use oral only steroid? Yeah, I know a lot of guys that do. Um, you know, I've interviewed guys in the past on pot on the podcast and stuff. They're very successful in fitness and stuff, and they've never used injectable. So um, you got to remember, um, a lot of these orals are liver toxic, like Rick said. Some are, and like Proviron is not liver toxic. I mean, you can take Proviron. Um, I actually just did an article about Anavar, and um, I was kind of surprised when I uh, kind of dug into the the studies that were done on Anavar um, from you know years ago, back when Anavar was for medical purposes, and even it even though it is 17 alpha alkylated, and yes, it is technically liver toxic, you're really not getting very much liver toxicity with it. I mean, it'd be, it'd be like, you know, drinking a couple beers, you know, so it's not something to really worry about, but if you're talking about like super droll, anadrol, uh, halo testing, these are very, very toxic steroids. And, uh, these are very, very harsh on the liver. So you really need to be careful not to take something else with it, like aspirin or drink when you're taking them, you shouldn't be drinking anyway, but especially with them. So you know, it doesn't hurt to go get blood work if you're running orals just to make sure your liver is not tremendously strained. And you really should be taking Tutka, uh, Milk Thistle. There's a lot of different excellent supplements to take with it. That's why I always use N2Guard when I'm taking uh, orals because the N2Guard has all those ingredients and more. So you really have to protect 
your organs, guys. Take this seriously. And please don't drink when you're taking orals. I mean, you got to use common sense. Yeah, definitely take Entugard with it. Um, one thing about taking Entugard is you want to make sure that you're taking the Entugard with food and you usually want to take your steroids on an empty stomach. Um, you want to time the time in between taking Entugard and your steroids by at least an hour because if you're taking the Entugard at the same time that you're taking your orals, it's going to deactivate them on the way in pretty quickly. So you're going you're gonna to probably think you got sent bunk gear. But all it is is just a timing issue with the N2Guard uh, being real effective at deactivating that steroid if you're taking it at the same time. So when you take the N2Guard, you ideally want to take it with meals. And your steroids, your doses, you want to take it in, in as empty of a stomach uh, as possible. Yeah, so let me guys give you some ideas if you want to run oral only. Anadrol, for example, 25 milligrams a day, Anadrol for four weeks. You'll get tremendous results on that. See, a lot of people on forums, they run 50, 75, 100 milligrams of Anadrol. You don't need to run that much. The stuff is strong as fuck, you know? So you don't need to run much. That's, that's an option for you. Um, you can use um, Anavar. You can use T-Bowl, D-Bowl. But if you use D-Bowl, you really need to run an AI with it because it does aromatize pretty heavily. Another option, kickstarting a cycle. A lot of people like to use orals to kickstart cycles, especially when they're using long esters. So you can, you can kickstart a cycle the first three, four, five, six weeks, kickstart it with an oral. And people will do that. The last oral um, that I want to talk about too is Winstrol. And Winstrol is definitely not one of my favorites, but some guys love it. The reason it's not one of my favorites is because I value my hair, number one. And number two, I value my joints. And Winstrol is very, very harsh on your hair and joints. And it's got a lot of side effects. So don't be fooled just because it doesn't aromatize into estrogen and think it doesn't have side effects because that shit is pretty, pretty rough uh, on your body. Um, probably one of the roughest uh, steroids um, of all the underrated steroids that people don't think is rough. And it's probably number one in that category because people don't respect it. They take a lot of it and they their prostate blows up, their cholesterol blows up, their joints are cracking on it and their hair is falling out. And um, I'm not even prone to hair loss, but when I ran Winstrol, I could grab my head hair and look at my hand and I'd have hair on my hand. That's pretty fucking scary. So I don't mess with Winstrol anymore. I do not mess with that shit. But if you're competing or you're a model or something, you need to be dry, it is a great steroid for that. How about you, Rick? You try Winstrol? Um, I've tried Winstrol uh, injections and, and orals. Um, the Winnie was all right. I think um, if you're going to do an oral, uh, probably uh, T-Ball is, is your best bet, the best one to go with, Tarina Ball. I don't get uh, a lot of guys taking Diana Ball and then taking high doses of AIs, anti-estrogens, to, to combat the, the water retention, the higher estrogen. You know, when you take Diana Ball, you kind of want it. You want the, the higher estrogen. That's what you're using it for. You know, it, it's going to give you more strength. It's going to make your uh, gains uh, faster. If you don't want any of the water retention, any of the estrogen sides from Dianabol, just get your hands on Turinabol and run that. You won't have any issues with it. And um, you can run T-Ball four to six weeks uh, with Entugard. You can you know, run it no problem. Um, a lot of guys will do a four to six week cycle come off for a month and then jump back on on another four to six weeks. And um, 
that works. And look, some stuff like SARMs is only oral. So you're, you know, if you're doing SARMs, you're going to have to uh, go the oral route with it anyway. So, um, I, like I said at the start, I like injectables. Uh, I like that delivery system much better. It's convenient. It's not as toxic. It's real easy to, to deal with. So I would rather that. But for guys uh, doing orals out there, man, Terrinable is, is about the best one you can do. No water retention, uh, good gains. And, um, and it's not that expensive compared to, let's say, trying to, do, trying to get the same effects out of something like, like Anavar. You're going to be taking a lot. Uh, the effects won't be as, as fast as profound and you know, spend some more money. I think Terrinable is probably the best way to go. Dianable is good. It's cheap, but you're going to, most guys will end up taking an AI with it. You know, nowadays guys don't like using Dianable the way it was meant to be used, which is to have it give you a little bit of that water retention and, you know, and all that helps out. So you know, T-ball, man, is uh, the only oral I would, I would mess with nowadays is Terrinable. Yeah, I love T-Bowl. And a lot of people don't respect T-Bowl because it's so cheap. So a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to run Anavar. Um, you know, and that's fine. But let me tell you guys something about Anavar. And this is something, again, I, I, I found out um, based on, you know, studying it, is that uh, Anavar was banned. Um, uh, the, the company that was making Anavar stopped producing it. So Anavar was gone. You couldn't find Anavar. This was back in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. You couldn't even find it anymore. And so companies, um, you know, guys and gyms and stuff that were selling gear, they would start selling D-Bowl and other stuff and call it Anavar. And, and so Anavar got the reputation for being counterfeited, for being fake, all this stuff. There was such a high demand for it because guys loved Anavar so much because it didn't cause that water retention like D-Bowl. And guys wanted that drier look. So when a company actually brung it back, they had a monopoly on Anavar and they started producing it. So they jacked up the price. And that's why Anavar to this day is still so fucking expensive. And that's something, that's a little, little history lesson right there about supply and demand. It was, since it was gone for four or five years and guys couldn't find real Anavar, that drove up the price. So when it did come back, people were like, I'm going to pay, you know, four times, five times more than I do on for V-Bowl. So that's, that's kind of why Anavar, it's kind of stayed expensive since then. So that's, that's kind of fascinating thing I, I, uh, I researched. Primo right, Volin is pretty, yep. uh, pretty expensive as well too. Primo Volin is, is up there price as well. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder why Primo Volin is, is so expensive too, but I think maybe it has something to do with that too. It's something with Bear having the monopoly on it or something, but uh, I'm going to look into that. We'll, if we'll you can get legit Primo Bolin, it's probably one of the best injectables you can do. If you can get your hands on legitimate Primo, good stuff, it's, my opinion, one of the best uh, steroids you can, you can do as far as uh, side effects uh, versus results. Uh, legit Primo Bolin Depot is, is the way to go. Yeah, they used to love that in the 70s. Arnold, um, the rumor was Arnold was running 700, 500 to 700 milligrams a week of Primo. That was his favorite, favorite steroid. All right, guys, our final topic is an interesting one, guys. And this is going to be like more of an a, a opinion from both of us because, uh, you know, I get asked this question a lot from people who don't use steroids. And they kind of want to know this. How many people do you think in a typical franchise gym, I'm talking like an LA Fitness, a Gold's, you know, gyms like that, that have a lot of 
clientele, um, a lot of regulars and a lot of weekend warriors. How many, what percentage are on steroids or have used steroids? So Rick, I um, want to kind of get your opinion on this because you've been all over the world and you've been in countries where steroids are legal. You've been in countries where steroids were illegal. What do you think about this? And I'm curious as here in these countries where steroids are actually legal. I don't know if in Colombia they're legal, but do people in Colombia use steroids even though, you know, if they're legal? Because I wonder too, because you know how humans think if something's illegal, they're like more like, oh, I want to use it. I want to stiff, you know, the man, you know, I want to do some be a bad boy. And maybe because when I visited these countries, these third world countries where it's legal, I don't see people walking around you know, with muscles and stuff that, that give a shit. So I think that's kind of interesting. So what's your opinion? You know, now with uh, testosterone replacement therapy, a lot of people are on steroids. There are a ton of guys in your gym right now uh, with scripts from their doctors or, uh, or just, just getting it right at the gym. You know, the, the gym dealer is back, you know, for, for a while when everybody was picking everything up, up off the internet and having it shipped to their house, it, um, you know, the gym dealer kind of, uh, kind of was out of the, out of the loop, but now the gym dealer is back and, and a lot of guys are buying stuff at your gym. It's, um, I'd say, um, look, I'd say maybe uh, 20, 30% of the guys in there are taking something, something, if not uh, TRT, they're, they're taking some, some SARMs, you know, which you can find over the counter almost anywhere. Um, you know, or, or some of the pro hormones that are still uh, still out there that people can still get. So I think nowadays most people are taking something. You know, when I started taking steroids, it was a, it was a, an underground culture. There wasn't a lot of information about them. It was very underground. And then we had you know we had the scandals in baseball, scandals in sports, scandals in all these things. And you know, the same guys that were upset about. Uh, you know, baseball players using steroids now that they've gotten older, uh, they're going to their doctors asking them for testosterone. So um, I think it's become more accepted by people. I think people are, are searching it out and seeking it out more. I think people are uh, noticing that sports stars use them and, and have good results with them makes them want to use them as well. Uh, also, people are not, are not accepting uh, their age gracefully. Like back in the day, now everybody wants to stay young. Everybody wants to continue to have sex, continue to have muscles. So, um, you know, older guys even want to want to jump on the sauce. I'd say, look, I'd say out of, you know, one out of five, one out of every four guys in your gym is on something, either TRT or some over-the-counter SARMs or some pro-hormone or, or something. You know, it's, it's just the way it is, in my opinion. I was going to say, like, if you include pro-hormones in that, I'd say the percentage, because pro-hormones were legal um, a few years ago. You could go online and buy it with a credit card, just like you would buy uh, a, a multivitamin or, or, uh, or Some anything. of them still are. Some of, some of them still are legal. They're out there now. So. My, my view is if you include the, that, I would say the percentage in a franchise gym, if it's a – economically stable part of the country. I'm not talking about if you go to the Rust Belt where factories are shutting down and people are, you know, can't find a job. I'm talking about like, if you go to like LA, New York, Miami, Chicago, Philadelphia, like a metro area, 
I would say the percentage, Rick, has got to be like at least 60, 70% of people who have either used or are using. I can tell you people I know, they've, I can't, I don't know of any, any male who has never used steroids, either SARMs, pro-hormones, anabolic steroids. I, I can't, I don't, I don't know anybody. Um, they've used at some point, but I'll tell you a lot of the guys that have used in the past, they don't use today and they don't really work out today. So a lot of them got exposed to it like back in the day, like in college um, or, you know, the frat brother was using it. So he got them to use it or something like that. So I'd say the percentage is, is much, much higher than, than, um, than 20 or 30%. But what, what, what's the deal in, um, in like South America and stuff is are steroids legal down there in most countries? Yeah. They don't, they don't care about steroids down here. So do people there use steroids? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Absolutely. There's a huge bodybuilding culture here. So yeah, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people are juicing down here. Um, But because it's legal, people assume like Americans just assume, hey, if something's legal, everyone must be using it. But I would say, like when I visited some of these countries, I go to the gyms and I, I didn't see like people that looked like they were on steroids, even though you could go to the pharmacy and buy steroids. So I thought that was interesting because the ignorant American in me thought, hey, if I go to a country where steroids are legal and you can buy steroids at the local pharmacy, hell, everybody's going to be big jacked, big and jacked. And I I didn't see anyone that was. Yeah, American culture has a way of of invading the world. So ever since um, Americans have started really talking about steroids, like a lot, like the last 15 years, that Americans have been obsessed with, with steroids. Um, then it's, it's gone to other parts of the world. Now the Indians are on steroids. In, in Kuwait, big steroid culture in Kuwait, um, Colombia, Brazil, uh, all types of places. They're, they're big competitive bodybuilding leagues down here in South America. Uh, there's some professional bodybuilders that came out of here in South America that compete in the States and all over. So yeah, American pop culture has a way of just getting to every corner of the world. And although the steroids have been legal and, and enforcement has never really cared about steroids before here, um, people just didn't want to use them. There was a very small section of the public that even knew about steroids and would use them. Nowadays, since they've been so much discussion about steroids in American culture, uh, now everybody's aware of them. Um, when I'm in South America, I just buy from the pharmacy, the only thing I can get uh, at the pharmacy right now is Nabito, which is testosterone decanoate by Bayer. So I get that human grade. And at the vet store, I can get some EQ, some Ganabol. And it's the only stuff I'll do now. I won't, I won't touch any of the underground lab stuff at all now. And so, uh, but you can't find it here. You know, there are several brands that are, that are very popular down in South America. They sell SARMs down here. There's a ton of information now about, about steroids, uh, all across South America. So, um, but you know, I just, you can get anything you want here. There's no issues, buy it anywhere you want. It's funny, the, the laws, the way they're structured in, in, at least in Colombia is you can buy, sell, use steroids, but you can't make them. If you make them, big trouble. If you just have them, use them, sell them, no issues at all. So, um, um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of underground laps down here and you can get your hands pretty much on anything, you know, Legal, but if you no, try to, if you, if you try to, let's say, hop on a plane with a bunch of steroids, 
they got a problem with that, right? They don't want you- Local, local, you know. local, local flight, not an issue. Local flight is not a problem. But if you're trying to go from, you know, cross customs between any country, you're going to have a problem. Especially if you're flying out of Colombia, you're going to be, your flight's going to be looked at anyway. So if you're going, let's say, Mexico, Brazil, or any of these places, you probably don't want to travel with the, with the steroids. You're going to have an issue. Obviously, the U.S., big problem, right? But uh, locally, uh, you can take a flight locally with your test and your steroids in, in your bag. and be no, no problems at all. And, um, you know, so you're, so you're saying you just go to a corner pharmacy, just walk in there, and just grab tests off the shelf, just like in the United States where we can grab an aspirin off the shelf. No prescription, yes. no talking to the pharmacist, nothing. Yeah, you know, the way they handle uh, uh, medicines uh, in Colombia is uh, at the pharmacies, they have everything. You can get tamoxifen, you can get testosterone. You used to be able to get testosterone and anthate, but now they only have uh, testosterone that can't eat. You get any antibiotic you want, you get pretty much anything you want. But um, any stuff like Ritalin, like opiates, any of that stuff, you've got to buy it from like a pharmacy that the government operates. And there you need a prescription and you need certification. You, you need all kinds of stuff. So the corner pharmacy will, will have pretty much anything you want that you can't get yourself in too much trouble with. But if you need, you know, if you need an opiate because uh, you have some serious pain, if you need, you know, if you're diagnosed uh, with ADD, you need Ritalin. Uh, or if you need Valium or any of that stuff, it's like under lock and key and you have to go to a special uh, government uh, operated pharmacy to get it. And they, they are very strict about scripts and you have to be registered with them and, and they take that pretty serious. So if someone listening wants to be like, man, I want to, I want to go to Columbia. I just want to check out the rainforest. I want to check out the, uh, you know, the culture and stuff. I just want to go there and fuck and use steroids for a month. Would that be a good vacation? Yeah, this would be the place to do it. Everything you described. Yeah. <laughs> What's great about the, the testosterone decanoate is that it, it really is active in your system for about four weeks. So you can, uh, you can shoot as soon as you get here, uh, train, work out, and then uh, shoot you know, your very last day before you leave. And you'll still have a good four to six weeks of progress uh, that you'll still make from that one shot. Because it's a really, really long ester that you're dealing with there. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's, um, this is a very uh, tourist uh, area now. It's a lot of, a lot of single men that want to come down here to hang out with the girls and stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's a great place for all of that. And uh, the steroids, you know, if you go to the pharmacy, you can just buy a human grade test made by Bayer. Um, or if you want underground stuff, it's really, really easy to find, like incredibly easy to find uh, uh, steroids if you, if you want them. You know, they're not, since nobody here is worried about going to jail over steroids, um, they're, uh, you know, they'll sell them to, to anyone that asks. It's pretty, pretty easy to find steroids down here. And, and every popular underground lab is, is represented here. The, the, the stuff you got to go. You got to go to the pharmacia. La farmacia. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, a corner pharmacy will have testosterone for you. If you want at the corner pharmacy, you could even have them get you a growth hormone. If you want those pens by Bayer expensive it's a few hundred bucks for uh for one of these pens but it's, it's human grade can you can buy a growth hormone here just it's not something that a pharmacy would usually keep stocked because it's so expensive but if you you know if you go in you talk to them you you put down a little bit of money they, they can have it for you by the afternoon somebody will come and drop it off and you can get a yeah a growth hormone no problem 
All right, guys. Yeah, awesome questions, guys. Keep sending the questions in. If you want to call in, we're still doing call-ins, so notify me, Steve SMI, on the forums. For Steve Smee and for Rick from um, checking in from the South America. You're still in the Northern Hemisphere, though, right? Yes, technically, yes. Barely, barely. <laughs> right, right on the equator. <laughs> yep, so we'll talk to you guys next time, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you, talk to you again. Bye. Have a good one, guys.